0: All right, it's preaching time. Appreciate the good singing that. Philippians chapter two, turn your Bibles please to the book of Philippians chapter number two. I had, God gave me this message um, on Thursday. I didn't know if I'd preach at the men's conference or not. I wasn't scheduled to preach. I was told to be ready to or be ready not to. Turns out I didn't preach, which is fine because now I get to preach it here. And uh, so if you'd stand with me, This morning, uh, out out of the kindness of my heart, because I'm a nice guy, I modified the original version from men's conference to Calvary Baptist Church, everybody's Sunday morning message because I'm a nice guy. When I preach at the men's conference, it's brass knuckles in the mouth, just straight up. It's mean, it's mean. Blood and guts everywhere, hide, hide and hair on the walls, it's bad. Because see, when I get done preaching, I get on a plane and I leave. I don't have to live with them. But I gotta live with y'all so I'm gonna be nice. So if I'm preaching, you go, man, this is stout. No, this is the, this is the sissified version of the original version. Oh, y'all can't handle it. You can, I, I can tell by looking at you, you can't handle it. Look. Looking at some of you men, I think I should preach on Proverbs 31, woman, this morning. Hey, Amen. I, I just don't think you can handle it. I love the men's meeting, the men's conference. The preachers get up and preach. It's just straight Bible, and uh, I love it. I love, I love challenge. I told uh, some of our new converts went, and uh, I told I was trying to prepare them. I was trying to prepare them. I said, now listen. I'm glad y'all are going, but it's going to be different than what you're used to. I said it's. I said it's pretty strong. I said it's pretty strong. I said preaching's pretty, pretty smash mouth. That's what I said, smash mouth. Well, they still went. We're on the bus going to the service, and Matthew leans over and says, "Did the preachers really come down and punch you in the face when they're preaching?" <laughs> James was like, "No, it's way worse than that." <laughs> so I raised the expectations, and then when he got there and he didn't get punched in the face, I like man, it's pretty good stuff. So. I'm just messing with you. I like strong preaching. I like straight preaching. Amen. I started to say put your steel-toed boots on, but I'm not going for your toes. I'm going for your heart this morning. Amen. Are y'all ready? You might want to put your seat belts on. There might be some turbulence. Please put your seats in the upright position. Stow away all trays. You guys from Rescue Mission, are y'all good back there? Do y'all need me to water it down for y'all or can y'all handle it? Come on. All right. All right. Don't li- hey, don't leave mad, just leave. <laughs> I love these guys. I'm glad we're running the buses down there now. Philippians 2, look at verse number 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all men seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. I want to preach this morning on this thought. What if everyone cared? What if everyone cared? Could you imagine being a member of a church where every member of the church took a personal interest in the spiritual state of their church. Could you imagine what that would be like? Lord, help us this morning as we open the scriptures and share with our church the message you laid upon my heart. May it help us, encourage us, and challenge us, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Three things by way of introduction. I want to just quickly give you these three points and then we'll settle into the meat of the message. We see in verse number 19, Paul's desire. Paul's desire. He said, I I, 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 I want to know your state. Paul's writing to the church at Philippi. He's not there. He's not there, obviously. But he was looking for a comforting and a positive and encouraging report from this church. He wasn't wanting to send someone to spy to find out what they were doing wrong. He says very clearly in verse 19, I wanna be of good comfort when I know your state. I'm expecting a positive report. I'm expecting good news. I'm I'm sure that you're doing well. I just wanna confirm that. The apostle Paul loved the church of Philippi. If you'll look with me back at chapter number one and verse number three, he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. Look at verse seven, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart. Look at verse eight, for God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. You see the heart of the apostle Paul towards the church of Philippi. He loved these people. By the way, that's where this whole thing kind of starts about caring. Is a, is a familial love, a, a, a love that surpasses love that we have for friends and family, the love that we have for the people of God. It supersedes any other kind of love. One of the reasons why we enjoy going to these conferences, and like I said, we loaded up a bunch of our men. Some of them dro- drove, because they're out of their mind. They're just crazy. Those of us that are smart, we flew down, amen. 50, 50 minute flight, we flew down and flew back, got back last night after a 50 minute flight. Tim, where you at? Wake him up, wake him up. (laughs) They they, they drove 10 hours, got back last night at 1230. Come walking in church this morning, preacher, it's good to be in church. Man, we're fresh as daisies because we flew down, flew back. But we had 33 of our men, a lot of others wanted to go, but we had 33 of our men at that conference. And, And the minute you walk up on the property, and you see all these other men stand out in front of the church, there's just a kindred spirit. There's just a love, and you walk in surrounded by all these men from other churches and other states, but we've got a common bond, and that is our salvation and our relationship with God. And Paul had a love for these people, and we see his desire to be of good comfort when I know your state in verse number 19. We see his delegation in verse number 19. Uh, 20 uh, verse 19 he says I'm going to send Timotheus, Timothy unto you. He wanted to know how they were doing so bad that he sent one of his preacher boys to go and find out how they were doing so he could come back and tell him. The apostle Paul was seriously interested in the church of Philippi. But we see Paul's dilemma in verse 20. I have no man like minded who will naturally care for your state. The Apostle Paul, who I believe to be one of the greatest preachers that's ever walked in shoe leather, a leader of men. A church planner, a missionary, an apostle with a supernatural anointing and touch of God on his life, a man that lived and breathed ministry that God had saved from being a persecutor of a church and the adversary of the church and the one that destroyed and killed Christians and martyred Christians. Now he's winning souls and discipling converts, training preachers, planning churches. This man lived and breathed ministry and yet he struggled to find somebody around him that shared his passion and care for the church. Struggle to find somebody that could interpret the spiritual state of a church. He couldn't find anybody that had his mind when it came to church matters. By the way, one of the greatest needs that a pastor has is a group of like-minded people in the church that pastor and his mighty men's conference the whole purpose of that conference is to get the men in the church unified together behind their pastor and everybody be rowing in the same direction I'm grateful for that here we have that here I'm not saying we have that here to a large extent we have that here I'm grateful I'm grateful for that but that's that's rare it's not that's not a normal church but the apostle Paul just emphasizing here the lack of having a like-minded man who would naturally care for your church. And in the book of Philippians, multiple times, Paul referred to people being having the same mind. He mentioned it in chapter 1, verse 27. With one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. Chapter 2, verse 2. Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Chapter 3, verse 15, let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus-minded, and if in anything ye be otherwise-minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. And in chapter 4, he gets real personal between these two individuals in the church of Philippi that apparently were fussing with one another, and he says, I beseech Yodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. He said, listen, you two people, People need to get on the same page. It is imperative that the church have the same mind. Unified church is powerful. It's important. In this passage, the apostle Paul is looking for a very specific type of person. Someone of a like mind. And he says it in such a way in verse 20 that it really just jumped off the page at me. Thursday when I was settling in and studying and working on this message, he makes a statement Obviously, he's referring to the spiritual state of this church. He uses the word state twice in verse 19 and verse number 20. I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. What is he talking about? He's talking about the spiritual condition of this church. That's what he's talking about. I need somebody to come in, walk in the door of the church at Philippi, and look through my eyes with my heart and my mind and see what I would see if I was there. And he said, I can't find anybody. But he says, what I really need is someone that will naturally care for your spiritual state. Now stay with me, because that that word natural in the Bible is the opposite of spiritual. There's three kinds of people in this service this morning. You've got the natural man, that's the unsaved man. Then Then you've got the spiritual man, spiritual person. Yep. Then you've got the carnal. Right. That's a saved person that's acting like a natural man. Right. That's, right. that's a saved person that's not spiritual. So you're either lost or you're spiritual or you're just saved but you're not spiritual. Right. Is everybody still with me? Yeah. But he uses that word natural a lot. Natural, the natural man understandeth not the things of God. But Paul said, I need somebody, watch this now, I need somebody that is so spiritual that it comes natural for them. Yeah. Because for a spiritual person, it ought to be natural to be spiritual. I need somebody that is naturally spiritual. I don't want to go off and leave y'all. I want y'all to get this. Now we talk about natural and organic food. How many of y'all? How many of y'all buy that expensive whole market food stuff that? free-range eggs, I don't care where that chicken lived. As long as he's giving eggs, I don't care. I don't care if he's free or communist. It don't matter to me, I'll take it. We don't like all that preservatives and all those hormones that they shoot in all this. We like the natural. You know what Paul said? Paul said, I need somebody that will naturally care about the spiritual state of the church Not somebody that's being forced to, not somebody that's getting paid to, not somebody that's doing it out of obligation or a guilt trip, but somebody who genuinely, seriously cares about the spiritual state of their church. Now Paul makes a pretty bold statement in verse number 21. I don't, I can't make that statement, but Paul said, because all men seek their own. Not most, not some, not the majority. Paul said, all men seek their own. I can't find anybody to naturally care for the spiritual state of the church. I'm wondering this morning, do you care enough about the spiritual state of Calvary Baptist Church that when you walk in, you notice the spiritual temperature? I mean notice. You see it. You sense it. You pick up on it you know the spiritual state of the youth group. You can sense the spiritual temperature of the service because services have different moods and temperatures. Sometimes it's swinging from the chandeliers, woo! And sometimes it's just settling down in your pew and weeping and enjoying the presence of God and God moves in different ways. I wonder, do we have people that can interpret the spiritual moving of the church and the state of the church naturally? Imagine if every member cared enough about the spiritual temperature. Uh, uh, Let me me just put a pin in that. Just put a pin in that. Let me say this. I believe without a doubt that this is one of the best churches in America. All right? I'm, I'm, I'm I'm grateful to be a member of this church. And I'm honored to pastor this church. It's a privilege and an honor. I'm not just saying that. I mean that with all of my heart. Everywhere I go, I brag on you. I tell people how good God is to our church. But me and you both know that not everybody in our church cares. Right. Right. Amen. Not everybody is dialed in and plugged in and knows exactly what's going on. We got, some, we got some coasters in here. We got some bench warmers in here. Come in, plop down, and we're glad you're here. Hey, man, you look better than the empty pew. But do you care and imagine what kind of church we could have if everybody really, truly cared about the spiritual state of this church? Imagine, imagine. Three things I want us to look at this morning. Aspects of the church that a lot of people just don't care about, that we should care about. What if everybody cared about number one, the holiness in the church? Churches today are a cesspool of fleshliness and carnality and worldliness. Somebody say amen. Amen. Sin all over the place. Sin all over the place. Wickedness, iniquity, perversion, ungodliness all throughout the church. I don't preach on sin every time I preach. I don't stand up here and name sin every time I preach. But when I do, do me a favor, don't shrivel up, don't wad up, don't quieten down, and please, whatever you do, don't get up and go to the bathroom while I'm preaching on sin because the devil will tell me you're leaving mad. You can just say amen, preach it, preacher. We thank God for a preacher that pushes and promotes holiness in the house of God. I don't want to eat in a filthy restaurant. We stopped, we let, all of us landed at the, at the airport and we, uh, they met us over the bus and we took a bus to Monroe, pulled in at the Golden Corral there in Monroe. Praise the Lord, I felt a little something on that right there. We walked in, they put us in the back room, and we walked in, they said, y'all can all go in here. And so I'm leading all the men into this back room and they've got signs everywhere. It says, you know, we sterilize and we, and we sanitize after every use and every table in there had not been wiped off in days. I mean, nasty. And I, I'm like this, I, don't, I can't handle that. I can't handle that, I don't wanna eat on top of somebody else's food. And the lady's in there fixing our drinks and preparing our drinks, she's fixing our drinks. They weren't broke, she was fixing our drinks, so. I said, ma'am, could you come in here and wipe off these tables? She said, I'll be in there in just a minute. I said, no, I need you to come in here and wipe off these tables before you set all of our silverware and all of our drinks down on this table, there's food everywhere. She come in there with her, and i watched her wiping off that table and i just had to turn my head cuz i want to take that cloth away from her and wipe that table off right not smearing it anywhere man wipe it get it off clean it i don't want to eat in filth we booked motels in florence Microtel Inn, we're on the internet. Boy, they got nice pictures. that looks like a good room, that's a nice room. And that looked nice pictures. And I called Brother Watson, he said, yeah, we've put people there before. I said, I told him later, I said, book it. We'll take seven rooms, we'll take everything you got. We got a group of men coming in and we we reserved it. And Brother Joseph, he went down a day early and he's sending back pictures. He's like, y'all don't wanna come to stay in this hotel. And I told him, I said, well, it's got to beat the campground we was going to stay at, the bunk beds, and walking 100 yards through the woods to the bathhouse in my, in my bare feet, you know, at the middle of the night with a flashlight. That's got to beat that. And then he sent me the pictures. I was like, I'd rather sleep in the woods. <laughs> Carpets all unravel, holes in the ceiling, mold and mildew. You could almost feel the bed bugs looking at the picture. I like, I ain't sleeping in that. Cancel it. I said, cancel it. Get us something else. I said, cancel it, get us something else. He looked at me and said, preacher, I already did. I just wanna let you know. I've already booked us rooms at the Holiday Express. I knew you wouldn't wanna stay there. I ain't sleeping in no nasty motel room. I ain't eating in no nasty restaurant and I don't wanna try to worship God in no nasty church. I don't wanna try to bring my family and be fed from the master's table in a church that's full of sin and wickedness and ungodliness. I want a clean church, thank you. Thank you very much. Preacher, don't you know people come to church, they've got sin in their lives, People's got issues, we've all got issues. But we ain't gotta come in here and fling it all over everybody and flaunt it. I know when you go to a hospital, they're having operations, and I know there's going to be some blood, and there's going to be some nastiness. but praise God, it better not be all over the lobby when I come in. I ain't waiting through blood and bloody gauzes and and junk at the, is everybody okay? If I walk into a hospital and that's going on, I'm going somewhere else. I'll have surgery on myself. (laughs) Uh-uh, uh-uh. There was a hospital in South Africa, they couldn't understand why people were dying, staph infection out the roof. They put up a camera. They tried to figure out why is all these people on this floor dying? They found the doctor. He'd come in, put on his mask, put on his little hat, put on his gown, and he'd go over there and wash his hands out in the mop bucket. The mop bucket, where they'd been rinsing out the mops. He's doing this and then do surgery, people are dying like flies. First clue was when you walk into the lobby and there's leaves in the floor, where it's just blowing in the door and trash all over the floor. Y'all looking at me like I'm making this up. I'm not making this up. I don't wanna to go to no nasty hospital and I don't wanna to go to no nasty church. You can come as you are. Praise God, you ought not to leave like you came. God ought to do something on you while you're here. Amen. 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 Standing there uh, yesterday, yesterday was standing, I walked through the the lobby, and Brother Watson's out there sweeping the lobby. Sweeping the lobby, because all the men were coming across the grass and tracking in that wet grass on their feet. And he didn't want to get it in the church. So he's out there in the foyer as men are coming in. Boy, it's good to see y'all. Thank y'all for coming. Appreciate y'all being here. And he's sweeping their grass and their dirt right back out the front door they came in. I thought to myself, thank God for a preacher that tries to keep the dirt out yonder so it don't come in here and interfere with what God's trying to do. Amen. Where am I at? By the way, the Apostle Paul, he was a lot more experienced than I am when he says all men, all men seek their own, verse 21. I can't find a man anywhere that cares. That's what Paul said. Now, I didn't say that. Paul said that. We got got some men around here that care. But the Apostle Paul's right in the church of Philippi, and he says, I can't find anybody that cares. Not like I care. This is right from experience. I'm not going to turn over there, but if you go to 1 Corinthians, boy, that church was in a mess. You read 1 Corinthians chapter number one, that church is split four ways. You got one crowd saying, I'm of Cephas. You got another crowd saying, I'm of Paul. You got another crowd saying, I'm of Apollos. And then you got this fourth crowd, they're trying to be super spiritual. I'm of Jesus. They were all wrong. The divisions and the schisms and the contention in that church. I'm using words Paul used. Divisions and schisms and strife and contention that was in that church was unbelievable. Guess how Paul knew about it? A woman wrote and told him. The household of Chloe. There wasn't a man in the church that cared enough about the junk going on in the church to tell Paul about it. He had to find out about it from the household of one of the women. Come on now. And you get to chapter number three and he starts out and he says, I want to have a spiritual conversation with you boys. But I can't because you're so carnal. I can't have a spiritual conversation with you. I'm in 1 Corinthians 3. I'm not turning there. I got, it, I got it up here. And here's what he says about verse 3 or 4. He says you walk as men. Right. That wasn't a compliment. Right. You know what he was saying? You're walking like lost men. Yes, right. Y'all are acting like lost men. You get to, I think, chapter 5. He said there's a, there's a man in the church that is committing fornication with his father's wife. Right. It's commonly reported. Everybody knows it. Verse 2, and you're puffed up and you can't even mourn about it. Right. There's a man in your church, Paul said, that is committing fornication with his father's wife. He said, that kind of sin's not even named among the Gentiles. Right. And you're walking around with this smug look on your face when you ought to be sick as a dog about it and you ought to throw that rascal out of the church. Yes, sir. Read it when you get home. Some of y'all looking at me like you don't believe Paul said that. Paul said, y'all should have y'all duct taped that rascal right. Amen. and drug his sorry carcass out of the church yes, because a little bit of leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Amen. That's what he said. I made that up about the duct tape. <laughs> duct tape fixes a lot of things down south. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Duct tape, bungee cords. We can get her done with that, buddy. Paul said, y'all ought to be mourning. You ought to be mourning. You should have took him out of the church, but no, you're walking around with this smug, puffed up attitude over sin in the church that even the world wouldn't do. I'm seeing on social media this trend where preachers now are glorifying sin. And preachers are living in sin. And their church is like, oh, we love our pastor. We stand behind our pastor. We support our pastor. And he's as unqualified as anything. They ought to drag him out of the pulpit. He's going to get a real job somewhere. I'm talking about caring about the holiness in the church. Everybody ought to care. Imagine if everybody cared. I got so much in here. Just let's do a quick, Just do a quick. Can I give you some Bible right quick? Can I do that? I'm just going to hit some high spots. Chapter 1. I'm talking about Philippians. You say, preacher, where are you getting all this holy living? That's not even in the text. Yes, it is. Be quiet. It is. (laughs) Look at chapter 1, verse 6. He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. I'm in chapter 1, verse 10. Stay with me. That you may approve things that are excellent without offense until the day of Christ. Chapter one, verse 11, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ. Verse 20, that in nothing I shall be ashamed. Also Christ shall be magnified in my body. Am I going too fast? Look at verse 27, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. He just keeps touching on holiness. That's chapter one. Look at chapter two, verse 12. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Look at verse 15, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Verse 16, holding forth the word of life. Look at chapter three, verse two. Beware of evil workers. Verse three and four talk about having no confidence in the flesh verse 15 let us be thus minded and otherwise minded he's talking about the spirituality of the church look at what he says in verse 17 of chapter 3 mark them that walk wrong Yes sir Mark them that walk contrary to the way Paul was walking look at verse 18 he said they're the enemies of the cross of Christ. Look at verse 19, those who mind earthly things. Look at verse 20, for our conversation or our lifestyle is in heaven. He talked about verse 21, he shall change our vile bodies. Look at verse chapter four, verse five, let your moderation be known. Verse number eight, whatsoever things are true and honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report and of virtue, think on these things. Don't tell me the apostle Paul wasn't looking for a state of holiness in this church. You better believe he was. Number two, write this down, what if everybody cared about the homes in the church? The Bible's filled with examples of the spiritual, healthy interaction of God's people in the church. The church is made up of many members, the Bible says fitly framed together. Without the families, there's no church. Church is not the building, it's the people in the building. And nowhere in the Bible do I find a separate list for the pastor and the church members when it comes to loving and caring for the people in the church. By the way, the Bible describes the role of a pastor in multiple places as caring for the church. Paul in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 28, he says, besides those things which are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. That's Paul talking. He also talked about the qualifications of the bishop in 1 Timothy 3, 5. If a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of of the Church of God, but trust me, it's not just the pastor that's right. supposed to be caring. Everybody Amen. is supposed to care. Right. Right. First Corinthians twelve twenty-five: that there be no schisms in the body, but that the members should have the same care, one for another. Galatians six two: bear you one another's burdens, and so fulfill yeah. the law of Christ. I don't have time to turn over to Luke Titus chapter number two. Boy, God give me a nugget out of Titus chapter number two for that men's conference. Titus chapter number two, Paul's writing. I said, I don't have time while I'm turning. How do you like that? Paul's writing to a young pastor named Titus. You know what he said? You need to recruit some helpers in the church to teach sound doctrine. That's what he said. Titus 2.1, but speak down the things which become sound doctrine. Talk to the aged men in verse two. Verse three, the aged women. He talks to the young men, the young women, verse 4. He talks to the young men in verse number 6. But he said something in there interesting. This just jumped off the page at me. I'm not going to preach this because this was for the men's conference. Look at verse 3. I believe it's verse 3 where he says that the aged women should be teachers of good things. Is that what it says? Is that verse 3? Yes, sir. Teachers of good things. Verse 4, that the aged women may teach the young women right, right. to be sober, yep. love their husbands. Is that what it says? You know, you know, you know what was really interesting to me. I don't want to read too much into this, Brother Tim, but I don't see in there where he told the aged men to be teachers of good things and to teach the young men anything, because most men just don't care. Now that's my personal opinion. It got quite quick, didn't it? So far in this chapter, it's the aged women teaching the younger women about the family. To love their husbands, to love their children. Why didn't he say for the aged men to teach the younger men to love their wives as Christ loved the church? Why didn't he say for the aged men to teach the younger men to love their children? Why didn't he say that? I don't know. I'm just gonna go out on a limb. It is Paul talking, and he already said all men seek their own. There ain't no sense in fooling with the men. They don't care. Right. Wow. Awesome. Let the older women teach the younger women, and let them try to do the best they can with a husband that don't care, because Paul said most men don't care. Most men don't assume the role of a spiritual leader in their home. Oh, they want to. They want to get up on the. They want to get up on the footboard every morning and crow like a rooster. Bless God, I'm the head of the house. I'm a man around here. When it comes to spiritual things, the wife has to take the charge. The wife has to be the leader. I'm saying as a church, it'd be nice if we all cared about the spiritual state of our homes and our families because as goes the home, so goes the church. This church will never be more spiritual than the families and the homes that make up this church. We can't live like the devil all week, fussing and fighting and cussing and carrying on at the house and throwing pots and pans at one another and walking here on Sunday morning and experience revival and experience the moving and the touch of God for the state of the church to be right. The state of the home has to be right. And to, for that to happen, we gotta care. We gotta care. We gotta care. We gotta care. Appreciate the two people that applauded that. God bless you, you can get something free out of the bookstore after church. <laughs> Imagine if the pastor could come to you and your wife and say, I want you to go over here and do marriage counseling with this couple that's struggling. You say, well, I'm not the pastor, I'm not on staff, matter, your marriage, your marriage ought to be so, so right. And your love for one another be so evident. The pastor could say, brother, would you and your wife take this couple? They're struggling, I don't even know what they're struggling with. But if you could go in there and just talk to them, listen to them, say, but preacher, that's your job. Show me in the Bible where that's my job. Right, right. I just read to you out of Titus 2, that it's not my job. Right. Come on. Amen. Come on now. I know it's great preaching, but you wouldn't know it by looking at some of them's face. Imagine if the pastor could come to some of you men one of you men say, "Listen, this brother over here is struggling with pornography." And I'd, I'd like I'd like for you to take him under your wing and see if you can not help him get that licked. Yeah. Come on, Come on. Go ahead, pastor. now. Right. Ma'am, this this lady over here is having a hard time following her husband. And you've got a testimony of being a godly and submissive wife. Why don't you you take this lady out for a cup of coffee and see if you can't help her a little bit. Imagine, imagine, imagine Dr. Bittner having a church full of people that was so like-minded with the pastor that they naturally cared for the state of the church. Now tonight's message, you're going to have to come back and hear part two. That's the good part. That's the cherry... On top of this onion sandwich, all right, that we're eating right now. Okay. <laughs> this onion and garlic salad we're eating right now. There's a cherry on top of it tonight. We're gonna to squirt some <laughs> Cool Whip on there. We're going to, it's gonna be nice tonight. I'm gonna to try. Making no promises, Lord help us. Struck by lightning in the pulpit. Where are we at? It's five after. I hadn't even got to my third point. Let me run through this. Let me run through this. What if everyone cared number three about the heartbeat of the church? Yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. One of the preachers brought out something yesterday. He just mentioned it. He didn't really preach on it. He just mentioned it. Acts two. The Bible says that brother Stanley says that the Lord added to the church daily. Acts two. Get over to Acts chapter. I think it's five. Is it five? Six? Chapter 6, verse 1, and the church began to multiply. And I thought, I sat there and I thought, what is the secret from a church going to addition to multiplication? And I don't have the answer. But I can't help but believe that if everybody in the church cared about souls, that would probably be a good start to go from addition to multiplication instead of new converts trickling in new converts just pour in if everybody in the church naturally cared for the heartbeat of the church which is souls by the way our faith promised missions has just exploded y'all, y'all don't know how much work y'all have created for us to find missionaries now to take on it's, it's jumped, it's jumped $80,000 from last year. Amen. And I'm doing something preachers don't ever get to do. I'm going up to other pastors and say, you know any good missionaries? Let me take on some missionaries. Tell them to call me. Tell them to call me. Tell them to call me. It's crazy, ain't it? And now we've got a list. There's 195 countries. On, this, on the globe, and we've got missionaries and 45 of them, and we're gonna see if we can't now find a missionary or something in the other countries. I want, I want a missionary in every country. Amen. When the Bible says in Revelation that people stand around the throne of God from every tongue, every tribe, every kindred, I wanna be able to say, our church helped get them here, amen. So I commend y'all for that. But imagine if everybody cared Churches across this nation are closing left and right. The morale of God's people is at an all-time low. Churches are closing their doors. Christians are quitting church, getting out of church. Pastors are discouraged and resigning their churches. Missionaries are coming off the field. Baptismal pools are dry rotted. Trite racks are empty. And the worst part is most people just don't care. I'm grateful for a church where we have a solid nucleus of believers that care about souls. Pass out tracks, knock doors, but imagine if everybody cared. Next Sunday's Easter Sunday. This place will seat 600 people. I'd like to see it full. Let's do it. I'm a preacher. What about COVID? What about COVID? What about it? What about it? Let's host a super spreader event next Sunday and pack this place out. We're gonna super spread the gospel. That's what we're gonna do next Sunday morning. Pack her out, friend. Pack it out. I'm talking about pack it out. If there's empty chairs beside you, go ahead now and just make your mind up that there's going to be somebody sitting in that pew next Sunday because you're going to bring them. Well, I sure hope somebody brings people to church. No, we're talking to you. We're talking about everybody. Everybody. i got some notes here. Let me read them before I get in trouble. What if everybody cared if there were visitors Sunday. What if everybody cared that God gave your pastor a salvation message but there was no lost people here to hear it? The future of the church is in the hands of the people that care. Some of you men can round up a group to go golfing in a matter of minutes. I'm back to my men's conference notes. You ladies, put your fingers in your ears. You can organize A hunting trip or charter a fishing boat at the drop of a hat. You can book a chalet on the slopes to go skiing or pack out a van to go to a gun show. But when's the last time you brought somebody to church? When's the last time you offered to give somebody a ride that can't drive themselves? When's the last time you took it upon yourself to grow your church numerically? You. When was the last time a family or an individual joined the church? Because you brought them here. When was the last time a person walked the aisle for baptism because you led them to Christ? I'm just saying, imagine if everybody cared. I left out the mean stuff. Imagine being a member of a church where everybody naturally cared for the spiritual state of the church. Wouldn't that be amazing? What's stopping us? What's stopping you? Heads bowed, eyes closed. I wonder this morning altar's open. I wouldn't even wait for the pianist. You say, Preacher, I do care. Really? In what way? In what way? What is your contribution as a person, as a Christian, as a member? to Calvary Baptist Church being a clean, godly, separated, sanctified, holy church with strong families, husbands and wives, great marriages and relationships, young people that love God, souls being saved, folks being baptized, folks being added to the church, missionaries going out, what are you doing? I'm asking you personally. Paul said, there are none, I can't find anybody. But there's gotta be somebody here this morning that says, preacher, I naturally care, I care.